Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. It's 2022, and it's almost Midsummer's Day, the time of year when the Civil War Institute at Gettysburg College holds its annual conference. It's always a special event, this one perhaps more so, the first in-person conference since the start of COVID. Tonight, I'll share some of my experiences here in Gettysburg, talk with the co-directors of the High School Student Scholarship Program, and chat with Dr. Peter Carmichael, director of the Civil War Institute. That's tonight live from Gettysburg on Civil War Talk Radio. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you tonight from the battlefield of Gettysburg, but not speaking for the Army of the Potomac or the Army of Northern Virginia, or Gettysburg College, host of the Civil War Institute that I'm attending this week, or my employer, East Carolina University, or anybody else, just myself as always, and my guests always will be speaking for themselves, as we do here. Well, it is the last show of the 2022 season. Our hearts are heavy here in Pirate Land as the ECU Pirates baseball team was eliminated at the super regional level uh, from the NCAA baseball tournament, losing two out of three games in the, the super regional round. But it was a great season. They were barely 500 after they were some 30 games in, and they just turned it around, went on a tear, and came together and gave us a lot of entertainment. Uh, it was really fun to watch watch the boys play this summer. In talking with uh, Civil War talk radio listeners here at the Civil War Institute, uh, some of them have mentioned that they they don't mind hearing about ECU sports, but uh, one said, what about other sports? What about women's lacrosse, for example? He said, my daughter plays women's lacrosse. And my thought is, you know, I think I have to draw the line somewhere. I don't object to women's lacrosse, although it took some players away from 
Greenville Stars when I was coaching my daughter's teams and some of the uh, girls at that age decided they'd try a different sport. So I just don't know enough about women's lacrosse to tell you anything about it. Uh, in the fall, we'll hopefully hear good things from men's football and women's football or soccer. Uh, and we should recognize some other sports. The uh, poetically named Summer Night is a, uh, a women's pole vaulter at ECU who just made All-America, finished eighth in the national uh, meet last week, uh, representing ECU brilliantly. So there are people besides baseball and, and football and soccer. This is, as I said, the last show of the season. Thanks to everyone at Voice America, all the numerous engineers we've had over the past year who all did great. Thanks to all the guests who've been on the show. Thanks to those of you who donated. And especially thanks to everyone who listens to Civil War Talk Radio. Uh, without you, of course, there is no show. Uh, thanks also to Mark Gaffney for maintaining impedimentsofwar.org, the website and the Facebook page. He'll be uh, working, he and I will work together and get the fall schedule put up uh, sometime in August of 2022 for the 22-23 season. There are plenty of great shows ahead, great topics uh, uh, lined up based on some of the people that I've met here at the Civil War Institute who've agreed to come on the show in the fall, so that's something to look forward to. Tonight, uh, rather than have live guests, uh, I will be playing for you recordings of conversations I've had here at the Institute. Uh, first one with Jared Peatman and Pete Vermillier uh, about the Student Scholarship Program for the Civil War Institute. They are co-directors. This segment will not be a fundraising telethon. They're not asking for money for scholarships. They're just going to describe what they do and why it matters. And then in the last segment uh, this evening, we'll hear a conversation that I had with the director of the Civil War Institute, Dr. Peter Carmichael. He's no stranger to Civil War Talk Radio. He's been on the show several times. Um, he is the author of, of books that you're familiar with, like uh, most recently, The Common Soldier in the Civil War, published by UNC Press. So we'll we'll hear from them in a minute. For the next few minutes, uh, for our first segment, I thought I would share with you what I've been doing here at Civil War Institute in order to give you a better idea of what goes on here and hopefully encourage you to consider uh, coming out uh, next year. The number one thing that one does here is listen, uh, followed closely, number two, by talking. Uh, I've been listening to great programs. Uh, people have been discussing really interesting current research that they're doing uh, on topics that are closely related to the Battle of Gettysburg or barely related uh, to Gettysburg uh, at all. Uh, other parts of the Civil War and the Civil War era are covered. And what I typically do after hearing uh, a program, if it, if it sounds really good, if it's really promising, if it's part of a new book that the author is working on, my next move is to go ambush the presenter, come up front, and invite them to join me for a conversation here on the show. And so far, I've gotten a lot of positive responses, so we will have some really interesting topics coming up in the fall. Just um, one example... And we'll pause here for a moment. And we'll turn off the 
uh, fan here in the dorm room I'm staying so that you can hear me better, hopefully. There we go. Um, the uh, one example, uh, the talk on Gettysburg, no surprise there, in not 1863, but 1963, what was happening here in the centennial uh, it was a fascinating talk and part of a fascinating book, so we'll have uh, uh, Jill Titus, author of that, on in the fall for sure. Lots of other good programs that I've, I've been able to uh, recruit here, good good speakers I've been able to recruit for the show, so that's a big part of what goes on here. Another big part is talking with uh, other attendees, uh, many of whom are Civil War talk radio listeners. It's a lot of fun meeting people in person who've listened to the show. It's also fun meeting some of the people I've interviewed over the years and never actually met before. Uh, it's good to see them in person. Uh, but it, it's it, it's a, really a pleasure to talk with you, uh, listeners, when you're able to come to events like this. And it gives me the chance to feel like the, the minorest of minor celebrities when someone comes up and says, hey, I listened to your show. Uh, Apparently, podcasting is now so popular that if you meet someone you haven't seen in a long time and you're stuck for conversation, you can say to them, hey, love your podcast, and you'll probably be be right. Uh, besides going to lectures, listening to the speakers, and the, the Q&A that follows, uh, there's the, the mix of really insightful, intelligent questions that people ask. And you've all been to events like this, the, the blowhard questions that are not really questions at all, just people sharing their opinion for us. Uh, that comes with the terrain, I guess. Uh, but most of the time, the Q&A is really good. The lectures are good. But that's not all that Civil War Institute is. There are also uh, battlefield experiences. That's one of the, the ways the Institute has changed the most over the last 10, 20 years is that much of it takes place not in the lecture hall or the, the theater, but out on the battlefield. Uh, two days ago, I went out on one of the, the many optional tours that are offered to the East Cavalry Field, one of my favorite places to visit because it's so pristine and, and, and unknown to the general public. A pair of uh, licensed battlefield guides took a group of us out there and gave material we could use that, that I can use for later trips. Not all the trips, not all the battlefield experiences are at Gettysburg, however. Uh, today, as I'm recording this on, on uh, Tuesday the 13th, uh, no, Monday the 13th, get the day right, uh, was all-day tour day. Uh, one day of the, the Institute buses come into town and pick up people, and they take groups to distant tours, uh, North Anna or South Mountain, uh, not not Gettysburg, but all-day visits somewhere in Maryland or Virginia, and they're accompanied by experts who've written books on the topic, who, who know the terrain, know what they're talking about. These sound like great tours. I don't go on them myself because uh, it, uh, I will be on a bus for a week, uh, starting June 18th, actually, of this year, uh, with this hallowed ground, the Stephen Ambrose Historical Tours uh, Civil War Tour. So I'm already doing that. Uh, I take advantage of everyone else going out of town to 
do my own thing for a day. And today I went, for example, to Culp's Hill. Uh, the Stephen Ambrose tour doesn't visit Culp's Hill typically, and people always, some people on every tour will say, can we go there? So it turns out uh, I thought I would go there and scout it out and see what's available there. Uh, old friends of the show, uh, Reed and Malta, if you're listening, you will remember our visit to uh, Culp's Hill one year in which I got the three of us lost and took us down the Hanover Road most of the way to Baltimore before we realized we were going in the wrong direction. I didn't do that this year. Instead, what I did was uh, go to the 2 p.m. Ranger talk at Culp's Hill. I thought, I'll listen to the Ranger, and I can tell the Stephen Ambrose visitors if it's worth going to hear the Ranger talk. I thought... It's a long way, though, from the visitor center to Culp's Hill. Not many people are going to be there because it's like a 30-minute walk. And I made the walk. And as I'm 25 minutes into the walk, it occurs to me, you know, you can also drive here. There are parking spots at the top of Culp's Hill. And sure enough, I get there and everyone else has driven there. And I've walked up dripping with sweat, 30 minutes of walking in the hot sun. So once again, Culp's Hill got the better of me, as it did those many years ago. But I got to hear the ranger talk um, so did my job. There are many other things one can say about Civil War Institute. Um, one can talk about the food at Gettysburg College Food Service. It's not bad. Uh, one can talk about the accommodations. Uh, the beds, they're not good. Uh, the bed linens, they're Civil War quality uh, and, and not good Civil War quality. But that's not why we're here. We're here to... Uh, share our common interest in this period of history with each other, uh, and it's a great opportunity to do that. It's like having a Civil War talk radio show going on 12 hours a day for five days, which sounds good to me, and, and hopefully to you, to others maybe sound like torture, uh, but I highly recommend it, and, and hope you'll consider it for next year. Uh, I'll be on the, the speaking roster next year, and hope to see you. Uh, until then, uh, this is Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. We'll be back with more of Civil War Talk Radio in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you right now from the battlefield of Gettysburg, actually in Gettysburg College, talking with Jared Peatman and Pete Vermillier about the Civil War Institute at Gettysburg College, and specifically the high school student scholarship program. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining Thank me today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, let's make sure I'm using technology new to me, so uh, let me ask each of you to introduce yourselves briefly, and then we'll check the sound while we're doing that. Uh, Pete, go ahead. I'm Pete Vermillier. I teach high school history in Connecticut. And I'm Jared Peatman. I do all leadership programs that use history as the teaching tool most often for George Washington University. Excellent. Well, thank you both again for joining me here. Uh, the Civil War Institute has been going for, for many years, uh, since Gabor Bort started it decades ago. And one of the strengths of it is that it, it recruits people, younger people, to, uh, to come here. Uh, among the uh, geezers of my age, there is a common complaint to young people today, they don't pay attention to history. Uh, is that your experience? Do you have difficulty finding high school students interested in participating in Civil War Institute? Uh, no, we, we have uh, a very competitive application process. We would always love more applicants. More applicants makes it for a better pool. Um, but, but we turn applicants away every year. And, you know, I, I think uh, as someone who works with young people and history every day, uh, you know, it's like so many other things. It's the, the how, how are they being presented and what are we asking them to do with it? Are, are, are we asking them to memorize facts and dates? If you ask them to do that, they're going to be bored. <laughs> if you ask, if you pose questions to them, if you pose challenges, I'm more interested in my students asking questions than I am in my students answering questions. Uh, you know, if you give them that opportunity, students love history as much as they love anything. There's a famous question, what's the most common first name of a history teacher in the United States? And the answer is coach. Um, <laughs> Jared, do you see that with your students, that, that uh, they're turned off by the, the names and dates memorization? Well, I think what we see with the applications from the students that come here, and particularly the students, you know, ultimately that are selected for the scholarships, is that they're they're interested in some of the bigger questions, and they're interested in some of the connections between history and some of the other disciplines. So, you know, as I think about the scholarship students that we have this year, you know, one of them is an artist who is very interested in how the Civil War affected art, and you know, art affects the the Civil War and the memory of the Civil War. Some of the other students have you know, sort of quite explicitly said they're, you know, they're not that interested in, you know, which regiment went 20 yards this way or that way on the battlefield. What they're interested in are the larger political connections at the time and then how those things continue to to reverberate. So it's it's interesting sort of the holistic approach, I think, that the students bring to, to looking at some of these and, 
And those are the types of connections that I think keep people interested, you know, as, as well, uh, when you can bring those, you know, those different perspectives in. And it's cyclical, too, in that you're, you know, often going to see students who are interested in, in the battles and the tactics. Um, the events of the last few years, from my perspective, among my students, I've never seen students more interested in Reconstruction, right, because of the sort of the underpinning that Reconstruction has had in, in so much of what we've seen in our own society in our own time. So how do students apply for this program? We have an application uh, available on the Civil War Institute website, um, and um, students have to present a letter of interest from themselves and a letter of recommendation from a teacher. And then you, you review those yourselves and decide which which students will attend. And what do they do when they're here at Civil War Institute? What, what happens? Well, it's sort of a combination. They do many of the sessions that the, the, the regular um, audience um, participates in, um, but then there's some special sessions as well. Um, and so there are some dine-in discussions that are just with those um, students and, and a scholar, um, things that are more aimed at them. So, for example, today at lunch, um, we'll, we'll be talking um, with a historian about public history and sort of avenues for public history for students as well. I think sometimes, you know, people assume that um, the only career route for a historian is the, you know, the tenure track route. And we know that's not the case. Um, but then we do some other special things also. Um, we do a, a, a simulation of the New York City draft riots of 1863 where the students actually take on roles and, and get that kind of immersive experience. So those are a few examples of the, you know, the special types of things that the students do while they're here. We also, in some cases, you know, we're dealing with students who have just finished their freshman year up to students who have just finished their senior year. And we have students who haven't had high school U.S. history. So part of what we have to do in many cases is lay a foundation for them so that they can come here and be fully invested in, in the talks that they're hearing and the tours that they're going on. I'm curious about technology and, and generational differences. I spent several minutes with you this <laughs> afternoon trying to get the remote recorder here to work. Uh, I guess there was some problem with someone's PowerPoint on the first day of the Institute. Is, uh, do the, the younger students just look with disdain at the inability of older people to make things work? And do they use technology in their study of history? They engage with it differently. And so, you, you know, Pete mentioned the, the application letter that the students write earlier, and it's a really a critical part of their application. And, and what we're looking for is their kind of engagement in the types of things that they have done um, around the Civil War before. And I think, you know, over the, the years, you see more and more students talking about things that they do online. So, you know, blogs that they contribute to or websites that they've started. And, you know, 10 years ago, that wasn't something that you really saw. But that engagement that you see that, you know, teachers like Pete, you're seeing that in the classroom as well. But I think that's the big difference. Yeah. I, I, so I, I would add two things. One about the students that we see here, right? Because I think we had, we've had some, some talks that have been very reliant upon PowerPoint. Um, and then we had a Gary Gallagher talk last night. That was Gary Gallagher, very old at a podium, yeah. and and the students were enthralled by him. So, so they don't need the technology in the classroom. You know what we want to use the technology for. 
you know, to me, I, mean, I make a case a lot with people who are saying, I'm using technology because I have a PowerPoint. Well, you, in 1975, you could have a slide machine. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Right? So how are we using the technology in ways that are furthering things for the students? So my students are, um, after years, they have a website called project29.org. And it's related. It's a little play on words because the CT in project and the 29 were on the 29th Connecticut uh, Infantry, which was a black regiment in the Civil War. And we're pulling the pension records and we're pulling the military service records of local men who were in that regiment. And we're telling their story to the, to the public. But we, we could never have done this, right? Because we're using Fold 3 to pull the records and we're using... Um, newspaper databases, Library of Congress to, to, to get more information. Right. So they're using um, technology in ways to interact with history and to reach an audience for their own work that, that simply didn't exist 10 years ago. What about the, the battlefield itself? We're here at Gettysburg. In terms of teaching tools, technology is one thing, uh, but you're bringing students presumably from not just local area, but around the country to come here. How do you use the, the battlefield itself in this weekend? Well, the students, you know, three times will be going out on battlefields, twice here at Gettysburg, um, including once tonight with Pete Carmichael, the, the director of the institute, and it's specifically a tour that's uh, not just for the scholarship students, but for young people. So mm-hmm. there, there will be some others, presumably, as well. And then we'll go out again um, on Tuesday morning with, with Chris Gwynn from the, the National Park Service to talk about first day of the battle. And then on um, Monday, we're going down to Monocacy for an all-day tour down there as well. And, and you're right, you know, there's, in leadership and management, there's this old concept of management by walking around. And it's the idea that, you know, when you're sitting in an office somewhere and you think you know what's happening out on the shop floor, you, you really don't. You've got to get out there and walk the ground. Historic sites are the same way. You know, you can read a book ahead of time, but the minute you actually step onto the terrain, you realize things that are that are very, very different. And that's the experience our students always have as well. Um, some Pete's, of them have been here and some, you know, some have not before. So, And Pete Carmichael's tour is specifically about using the battlefield as a classroom for these students. Uh, we, what we've done in, in years past is, you know, we've gone to the base of Cemetery Hill. We've talked about Ewell's decision on July 1st not to attack the hill and how does that story reflect lost cause ideology? And we've gone to Culp's Hill and we've looked at the letters of John Futch, who was a virtually illiterate North Carolina soldier, and talk about his experiences and what does he say he's fighting for and his brother is killed on Culp's Hill and how is that? And he has to carry his brother's body off the hill under fire. How does all of that affect the way that he sees and reacts to what's around him. So it's, it's, a, it's an essential teaching tool for us, the battlefield is. I recall in 1968, 1969 maybe, coming to Gettysburg as a very young person, and what really changed my life was not just visiting the battlefield, but interacting with a park ranger who answered my questions and most of all took me seriously. Not isn't it cute that this little person seems to know who Dan Seckles was, mm-hmm. but immediately engaged with the question about Third Corps' movement on July 2nd and treated me like that was not a freakish question, which adults otherwise did. Uh, 
do you do you find your students enjoying the moment that they're with other students who don't think it's weird? I, I, I'm so glad you asked this question because we sit down with the students and you know we have a welcome orientation session and what I say to them every year is you are a full participant here. You take advantage of every opportunity that this is giving you. And I, you know, I'm biased here, but I think that inevitably the scholarship students in the large lecture hall ask the best questions mm -hmm. because they have the 30,000 foot view. They're not asking about company D in the wheat field at 1115, <laughs> right? They're asking the, why does this matter? Um, question. Um, but one of the, I've been involved with the scholarship program since 1995. <laughs> and one of the things I've worked really hard to, to, to try to instill in the program is an opportunity for students to engage individual, not, not necessarily individually, but just the students, <laughs> just the students with the speakers, with the tour guides. And to talk about what you were saying earlier, Jared, about careers in history, the, the, the academic world, the National Park Service, the public, public history world, the archives world, you know, you guys love history. There's a lot of different opportunities, but I want them to understand how you get there. What does that path look like? And, and that's been to me features of the program. I would add, we're, I'll speak for Jared, we're both tremendously proud to come back here year after year and see our former scholarship students as speakers, tour guides. Chris Gwynn is a scholarship student. He's now the um, chief of interpretation here at the Gettysburg National Military Park. Ashley Whitehead Leskey was a scholarship student. She's now the assistant director of the Civil War Institute. Dave Thompson teaches at, uh, um, at Sacred Heart University in Connecticut. Um, Jake Wynn spoke here yesterday. John Lustria there at the um, National Museum of Civil War Medicine. So it's great to see after all these years, you know, there's, we have a track record of, of, of the students who have come through here going, becoming the next generation. And it goes back to the first year of the scholarship program. Leslie Gordon was the first scholarship uh, student at the Civil War Institute. Yeah, before our time, Jason Phillips was here as well. Jason. So you know, there's a lot of a lot of folks. And part of that, you know, you asked the question about you know students coming here and sort of being around you know people with with similar interests maybe for the first time. And I think that's the experience a lot of them you know have is you know, because of their deep interest in the Civil War, that might not be shared by other folks, you know, back in their, their schools or their towns where they live, but they sort of, you know, they, they have these, these friends that they, um, that they make during the Institute. And some of those last, you know, for a long time, we heard that from Jake Wynn just the other day of some of those friendships and, um, that persist. I mean, tying that in with technology, I imagine it's easier today for students to find a, an interest group online if you're the only one in your junior class in high school who, knows who you know slocum was that's one thing but today you could go online and find a bunch of other people and on, online no one knows if you're a dog uh, right or a 12th grader i, I think there's always to me that's always been an important part of this program right i grew up in a small town in connecticut jared grew up in maine i don't know about jared's experience but i was the only student who cared about henry slocum right and for a lot of these students they have the opportunity to come here and meet 12 to 15 
other students who have their interest. And now, as you're saying, they, they, it's easy to stay in touch. And mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the alumni question you, you, you've addressed, uh, you know, Leslie Gordon, your wonderful history of the 16th Connecticut mm -hmm. is, is one of my favorite books and a model for the new regimental history. Uh, and, and you named a lot of other names. So, so clearly this program is, is, is getting somewhere. The, the people are, are going through it. And, and as teachers, you know, there's nothing greater than seeing your former students come back and do something uh, impressive and, and show they're still in the field. So where do you see the program going in the future then? Uh, is, can it be expanded? Can it be amplified? What else can we do with it? It's a great question. You know, pre-COVID, pre and COVID has kind of thrown a wrench in a lot of things, right? But, you know, pre-COVID, um, we were getting 50 to 60 applications for, you know, for quite a, quite a number of years before that. And we typically have, because of the financial resources, there's been space for, you know, somewhere between maybe 9 and 12 students. And it, it fluctuates a little bit. You know, when we look at those applications, there's often sort of a natural cut line. And this year, it may be there's 9 that sort of stand out. Next year, maybe there's sort of 10. And then there's a, a bit of a gap. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that certainly is a component of it. I, I would say, you know, those years when we had, you know, 50 applications, uh, most years, I would say 45 of them, you know, I could, we could have been okay giving a scholarship to, um, it was just that there were some at the very top that separated themselves. And so there certainly is the potential, I think, to expand the, you know, the program going forward. I'd, I'd like to see. So, so would. I hope we can get more students in the future and more, more people in general coming to Civil War Institute. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time in our segment here, gentlemen, but I want to thank you both, Jared Peatman, Pete Vermillier, uh, co-directors of the scholarship program here at the Civil War Institute at Gettysburg College. Uh, and listeners, if you are in high school or if you know someone in high school, uh, check out the program online, apply next year, and come here to the Civil War Institute. We'll take a break. I'm Gary Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. 
If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. So welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich talking this segment with Dr. Peter Carmichael, who is the director of the Civil War Institute at Gettysburg College. We are sitting in a battlefield room, in a room at Gettysburg College, which means we're on the battlefield of Gettysburg itself. Could not be a more appropriate place. Uh, Pete, it's good to see you. Uh, Thank you for inviting me to Civil War Institute this year. Uh, I've been having a great time. I've found some wonderful guests to invite to the show. We'll be on in upcoming episodes uh, you, how, how's it going this year for it's, you? It's going well. And Jerry, let me say thank you for this. You've been a wonderful friend to CWI, and we really, again, love uh, that connection that we've been able to make uh, between our institution and, and Support Talk Radio. It's been great. It's going very well. We've had a two-year layoff because of COVID, mm-hmm. so we are back. We've Our numbers are great, but more importantly, uh, there's just tremendous energy and enthusiasm. Uh, the talks, uh, the conversations with the panel... And we can't forget the battlefield experiences. Uh, They've all gone well. And uh, I'm always, I don't know, I'm not that I'm surprised, but I just, uh, I'm overjoyed, truly, uh, by the fact that we can bring together a wide range of people from our profession. Academics, public historians, archivists this year as well, not to mention our general audiences that come from all over the place. And so it just mixes well. People are friendly and... uh, it's just uh, the kind of conference, I wish academic conferences would just get a little <laughs> bit of the touch of CWI because it's really it's a wonderful place. They, they really are. It is fun. You, In your role as director, you have to deal with, you know, whatever comes up. And uh, listeners, to give an example, we heard today that uh, Jen Murray, many of you know her, her work on about the battlefield of Gettysburg, unfortunately had to cancel a tour she was going to lead. So, uh, Pete Carmichael comes up with Don Fonz to replace. It's like saying, uh, Mickey can't, Mickey Mantle can't make it, but we got Willie Mays. <laughs> right, uh, how did you do that? Well, you know, I mean, all this is, you know, um, since 1985, I've had, I've worked in the National Park Service all the way through my undergrad into graduate school. So over time, I've been able to connect with a lot of different Civil War historians, again, not just academics. Don is someone I met when I worked at Fredericksburg National Military Park. Uh, I worked closely with Don when he edited the Yule Letters that University of Tennessee mm-hmm. published. So I guess I say my Rolodex has the names of different <laughs> historians, and I called him up. I hadn't spoken to him in probably five or six years. And, we we're fortunate that he's available for tomorrow. So we're going to do Fredericksburg, second Fredericksburg in Spotsylvania. And it's going to be great. And they're going to enjoy being around Don. Sorry that Jen, she was unable uh, to, to, to do the tour this year. Uh, but those things do come up, right? From time to time, they don't happen very often. And you know what? The people here, they're fantastic. They understand, yeah. you know, life happens. And uh, so, so, yeah, we're looking forward to the tour tomorrow. Well, that will be good. Well, let me ask a, a serious question, one that came up in a talk today. Uh, we're hearing uh, Jill Titus is talking about Gettysburg in 1963. We'll have her on the show to, to talk about her book and how that was tied in with the civil rights movement that was going on at the time. And then one of the, the attendees asked a very uh, important question about why there were so few African-American 
people attending uh, either in panels or uh, in the audience. And let me reiterate that question, because you did give an answer that I thought was very important. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think it is worth noting that the person that asked the question was a person of color as well. Very I think important that's, point. I think that's critical. Absolutely, and I thought yes. that Jill's initial response to him was the appropriate one, that we need to be careful here, that we don't put too much of the onus of the lack of African-American participation on black folks. And we need to have an understanding of their own family histories in which going to Civil War sites was something that you didn't do because you felt unwelcome there. And so uh, there is a legacy or a residue of that. I think that was Jill's point. And then my point would be is that we need to recognize it's about access to historical sites. And a person of color um, of a certain economic or social background probably doesn't get access uh, to historical sites. That's probably not part of what a family would do during their vacation time. And it's not just people of color, it's people who are underserved of all social backgrounds. Look, you could go to Baltimore or you could head west, not too far, beyond Chambersburg, and you'll see people that I wish they had access to this place, but this place is just a world away from them. And it just speaks to the fact that we all want history to convey a complex story that brings in all characters. And we often hear, if you could see yourself in the past, you'll come and you'll be interested and you want to visit. Well, first of all, I think that's patronizing and we can talk about that. But I think that what's really more critical is that at an early age, uh, many schools do not have the resources to send kids off on field trips. And we both know, man, you drop a kid here, I don't care what color they are, what background they are. This place fires up that imagination. It does. And we have people that are addressing that. The Park Service does it. They're doing online stuff now for schools that are underserved. The American Battlefield Trust helped funds field trips here. The times have changed. We're not close to where we want to be, but we're moving in the right direction. I think you agree with that, man. I mean, Jerry, can you believe where we are now from where we were 15, 20 years ago? No, I think you're absolutely right. You see the difference in interpretation yes, of public history at right. sites around the country. Absolutely. You go to the, 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 the mansion homes, plantation homes, and see how slavery was invisible 20 years ago. Now, now it's being addressed. But you know, studies show that the one predictor of whether someone will go to a site or, or, or come to a conference like this is, did they go to museums when they were kids? Absolutely. And absolutely. without those field trips. Absolutely. To, Make that first and, and, and a working person that has two weeks off an entire year, you know, you're going to come here. And, you know, you've, and this place used to offer more in terms of recreation. And then the next point is if you go to the visitor center here, mm-hmm. it's not free anymore. No, right? if you true. want to see the museum, it costs. You want to see Sakurama, it costs. I'm not leveling a criticism here at the Gettysburg National Park or the Gettysburg Foundation, right. but we need to face the fact here: this is not an inexpensive vacation. There are. Thousands of people here in Adams County who cannot afford to go to this national park. They can walk the grounds for free, right. but they can't get into the museum. No, that's a good point. Um, the, let me ask another question about CWI and the, the success that you've had as director. I want to say you've been director for two or three years, but I know it's a lot longer than that. How long has it been? This is now, we're approaching year 12. Year 12, that is uh, astonishing. Um, when you took over uh, from, from Gabor Bor, who began this program decades ago now, one of the issues at that time was a certain ossification, fossilization 
the same people came every year, the, the friends of Gabor with their T-shirts were self-identified. And so a new person coming said, oh, this everybody already knows everybody here. I'm, I'm on the outs. Uh, <laughs> you broke that completely down uh, with you know some resistance from the old guard. But, but look how, how wonderful it is now. But what is the risk of that repeating, of the Friends of Pete becoming uh, the regulars every year? Right. Well, let me just begin by saying that Gabor, uh, from day one, has nothing been but He's been great. a great friend. And he's always tried to help me mm-hmm. understanding that there are people that have an attachment to this institution and this summer conference, and they mm-hmm. felt invested. And obviously, I brought very new ideas. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that there is no risk of... A friends of Pete organization here. I don't have the charisma, I guess, of Gabor. And so what I've really tried to do here is that we make it about, and so did Gabor, you make it about the content and the speakers and the historical experience. You remind everyone that we're all in this together. And I'm not suggesting we're all that. That's not, that was not Gabor's way. No. It certainly was. It was, it's a very different time. And we need to, again, remind ourselves that the heyday of this conference, and I put that in quotes, it was a time without any internet, right? And, and so the kind of interaction that people can now have on the internet about the Civil War is going to keep a lot of folks from coming here. Not that it's the same experience, but yeah. that, that that way to have a connection with another human being, that can happen in just a wide variety of ways. Our numbers are still great here, but it's very different. And... Uh, you know, I, I'll just here's the thing that I you might have some ideas about this, Jerry. You know, you always want to be sort of ahead of the curve here. And I wonder, you know, will CWI in five to seven years will we have the numbers to sustain this program? I, I, I mean, obviously, I worry about that. Well, I mean, you make much more use of the battlefield as a resource, and that's something that can't be duplicated over that's the internet. Absolutely, and that's really, I think, a critical uh, step to take in the right direction. Um, I'll just quickly say, yeah. JJ, that's an excellent point. We have Tim Moore, who's a professor mm-hmm. of history at Old Dominion. He has done two-day tour, each day six hours, and devoted to sharpshooters mm-hmm. at Gettysburg. Now, that's a little specific, but here is my point. That battlefield resource, as you point out, if you can get people who are engaging and immersing themselves with that historical landscape, that maybe is what the future of this conference is. Because the people who are going to be turning into their 40s and 50s in the next five to seven years, these are not the people who have sat behind a desk listening to someone behind a podium. They have not been taught that way. Now, I'm going to ask them to come here for two days and sit on some hard chairs and listen to a lecture. I don't think they learn that way. I don't think they want to learn that way. I've got to figure out though a way to keep this conference going so that it's still educational. And I suspect, my hunch, is what you're suggesting this battlefield, right, as the open door classroom, mm-hmm. outdoor classroom, that's probably where we're going to probably put more of an emphasis. That's my hunch. I don't know. In connection with that, you point out you have long record uh, in, in public history. You know people from the Park Service, from universities. But again, what do you do consciously to avoid the risk of having the, the usual suspects show up? And, and uh, I belong to the Lincoln Forum, I'm a big fan of it. Um, it. For a time there, it seemed like we were getting the same lineup every year, uh, or with a few variations. How, how do you consciously get around that? You know, Jerry, I really appreciate that question, because um, 
I make a point to try to find younger scholars, public historians as well as academics. It's, I try to do a little scouting. I got to make mm-hmm. sure that they get into that uh, classroom or auditorium and that they give dynamic talks. But the way to do it is to begin to try to explain to some of the senior people who think, oh my God, did I not do a good job? He didn't invite me back. Mm-hmm. And my point to them is that I've got to mix things up. Yeah. Well, someone said to me once, well, I think everyone here would be happy if, you know, you just had James McPherson, Gary Gallagher, and Brooke Simpson. And I said, I think you're wrong. I mean, I know they're wrong. Some people would be happy. Some, but they want more. And yeah. they love, look, the audience wants to see that there's a new generation rising. Mm-hmm. And they want that scholarship and they want that energy and that enthusiasm. So uh, finding those individuals is not so hard. Trying to get kind of a scouting report is a little bit more challenging. You know, the YouTube and the internet, you can track virtually anyone down here. But that's a risk. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't risk too many lectures of someone standing behind a podium and reading the paper. No. My audience just won't take that at all. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the people that I look for, and I think your audience will be interested in this, are those who have had a public history background, who worked on the battlefield, and who offered to do academics. A classic example is Keith Bohannon at West Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Man, there is not a man who knows more about the Army in Northern Virginia and Army in Tennessee and who can give phenomenal battle talks for me and can go in the auditorium and do original research. Mm-hmm. Jen Murray is another person who can do that for me. I need somebody who can do a range of things, and those two are, I think, prime examples of that. Tim Moore is another person yeah. who can do it. By. The uh, one thing I saw that I, I Appreciate was looking at the conference program on the back cover. I'm flipping it open. You have uh, advertisement. Uh, maybe it's on. Here we go from uh, Civil War Tales Museum. Civil War Talk Radio listeners, you've heard me talk about this place before. Um, it is a, a hoot, perhaps, is one technical term to use. Uh, but just having them in the program suggests that you're you're open to new ways to look at the battlefield, including a diorama of thousands of tiny cats. Right, not. right, right, right. I mean, that pop culture stuff is great, I think. I don't know how, I'm going to ask you, how do you feel about ghost tours? Uh, ghost tour. you know, initially I had the, the, the appropriate public history rejection that this is an outrage. Um, but, I mean, Taya Miles has shown that they are a subject in themselves, that we, we can, just going on a ghost tour to, to give someone cash for it, I'm not a big fan of that, but but I think studying them as a phenomenon, I think you could do a meta ghost tour. You could have people go on a ghost tour to see what ghost tours are about, yeah. not yeah. to see ghosts. Uh, Ty Miles is, is a great example, mm-hmm. I think, and that's a fantastic book. I can't remember the title of it. Yeah. Oh, The, the Lost Tales, Myths. Something uh, like that, oh. yeah. We're both embarrassing ourselves. Keep going. Yeah, but um, it's a great book for people to see. It is a see. great book. Well, I would just say about that, Ghost um, tours here in Gettysburg, I've been on them. I've mm-hmm. taken my students on them as well. I want them, again, to understand how people's imagination, historical imagination, what lights it on fire. And I think that, you know, we're both public historians, and you meet your audience where your audience is. Mm-hmm. And so I know my academic audience, I know my popular audience, and if it means that ghost tour awakens someone's interest in the past, you know what? That's a first step, and mm-hmm. if that leads to some serious reading and, and investigating about the war, so I'm all for it. Then it works. I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for it. So, what is your favorite part of, of CWI? 
My, my, my favorite part of CWI. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's when it ends. Yeah. And when I say when it ends, it's because when it ends, we have a wonderful dinner together. Usually there's some Civil War music. My daughter just walked by, mm-hmm. by the way. She loves the Civil War music that's being mm-hmm. played here. We have some beer and it's great. It's wonderful to look back and, you know, it's just, it's just a really great feel good moment. It's, you know, uh, Jerry, were you in a round table when you were young? Did you do any round tables at all? No, I did not. I yeah. uh, didn't have well, that I, I did. I was at Indianapolis Round Table. Okay. I had some wonderful mentors, including Alan Nolan. Right? Yeah. Oh, we yeah. consider Alice sure. Trulock, who wrote Michigan. Uh, yeah, Alice Trulock, who wrote the biography of Joshua Chamberlain. She yep. was a member, right? Man, those people came together. It wasn't particularly social, but there was just that wonderful bond of everyone who is just committed to studying the past and wanting to learn about the past and and it's just that energy, right? And so you feel it after a, it's a long haul here. Let's it not is, kid ourselves. Yeah. It's a Friday night, uh, starting lectures, Saturday and Sunday lectures, Monday, Tuesday, touring. It's <laughs> fatigue can set in, but then we all come together there. And it just reminds me of the importance of what we're doing. And it reminds me that all the things that people want to complain about regarding the academy and, and the aloofness and the, and the, you know, we can't talk to just ordinary folks. Man, that's nonsense. It can be done and we do it here. And it reminds me of, uh, was one of the portals for me, Civil War Roundtable, right? And that was, that was. And then you announced today, of course, the Congress of Civil War Roundtables having their annual meeting. It's important to support that group. As Absolutely well. is. And, you know, Jay, you played a key role in all of this. I mean, Civil War Talk Radio, as we've talked about, I mean, It's had a longevity, a lifespan that you certainly could never have imagined. But you as a public historian were out there and bringing the work of scholarship, right, and asking them questions in such a way that they then talk about their books in accessible and exciting ways, and your audience connects with that. And, you know, this is all, we all do our part here, and that's why it's so important to have you here. So important to have archaeologists. we got an archaeology panel going on right now. We bring those players together. That's what this is all about. That's why, again, why I like the final evening. Celebratory. Well, that final evening is a a great celebration. Uh, We're at the final minute, the last of our, our segment here, but Pete, it's always good to talk with you, it's always good to see you here at Civil War Talk Radio, at, at uh, Civil War Institute. Uh, thank you for the kind words about Civil War Talk Radio, and, and congratulations on the success yeah. of the program, uh, many, many years of future success. Yeah, Jerry, thank you again uh, so much. It is, it's wonderful to have you here. I think we need to figure out something to get some of the listeners of Civil War Talk Radio bring them here. We can all as a little group go off and have a beer together or something like that. I think that that would be a lot of fun. So we should look to that for the future, I hope. Right, Listeners, you heard it here. Uh, You're invited next year. Hope to see you here. And uh, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.